Prologue of Leatherface, A Tale of Old Flanders. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Leatherface, A Tale of Old Flanders by Baroness Orxy. Prologue. Mons september fifteen seventy two it lacked two hours before the dawn on this sultry night early in september the crescent moon had long ago sunk behind a bank of clouds in the west and not a sound stirred the low-lying land around the besieged city to the south the bivouac fires of alva's camp had died out one by one, and here the measured tread of the sentinels on their beat alone broke the silence of the night. To the north, where valorous Orange, with a handful of men, undisciplined, unpaid, and rebellious, vainly tried to provoke his powerful foe into a pitched battle, relying on God for the result, there was greater silence still. The sentinels, wearied and indifferent, had dropped to sleep at their post. The troops, already mutinous, only held to their duty by the powerful personality of the prince, slept as soundly as total indifference to the cause for which they were paid to fight could possibly allow. In his tent, even Orange, tired out with ceaseless watching, had gone to rest. His guards were in a profound sleep. Then it was that from the south there came a stir, and from Alva's entrenchments waves of something alive that breathed in the darkness of the night were set in motion, like when the sea rolls inwards to the shore. Whispered words set this living mass on its way, and anon it was crawling along swiftly and silently, more silently than incoming waves on a flat shore, on and on, always northwards, in the direction of the Prince of Orange's camp, like some gigantic snake that creeps with belly close to the ground. Don Ramon, whispered a voice in the darkness, let Captain Romero deal with the sentinels and lead the surprise attack, whilst you yourself make straight for the prince's tent, overpower his guard first, then seize his person. Two hundred ducats will be your reward, remember, if you bring Orange back here, a prisoner, and a ducat for each of your men. These were the orders, and Don Ramon de Linea sped forward with six hundred arquebusiers, all picked men. They wore their shirts over their armor, so that in the melee which was to come they might recognize one another in the gloom. Less than a league of flat pasture land lay between Alva's entrenchments at St. Florian, near the gates of beleaguered Mons, and Orange's camp at Hermigny. But at St. Florian men stirred and planned and threatened, whilst at Hermigny even the sentinels slept. Noble-hearted Orange 
had raised the standard of revolt against the most execrable oppression of an entire people which the world has ever known and he could not get more than a handful of patriots to fight for their own freedom against the tyranny and the might of spain whilst mercenary troops were left to guard the precious life of the indomitable champion of religion and civil liberties the moving mass of delinea's arquebusiers had covered half a league of the intervening ground their white shirts only just distinguishable in the gloom made them look like ghosts only another half league less perhaps separated them from their goal and still no one stirred in orange's camp then it was that something roused the sentinels from their sleep a rough hand shook first one then the others by the shoulder and out of the gloom a peremptory voice whispered hurriedly quick awake sound the alarm an encomisada is upon you you will all be murdered in your sleep and even before the drowsy sentinels had time to rouse themselves or to rub their eyes the same rough hand had shaken the prince's guard the same peremptory voice had called awake the spaniards are upon you in the prince's tent a faint light was glimmering he himself was lying fully dressed and armed upon a couch at sound of the voice of his guard stirring of the noise and bustle of a wakening camp he sat up just in time to see a tall figure in the entrance of his tent the feeble light threw but into a dim relief this tall figure of a man clad in dark shapeless woolen clothes wearing a hood of the same dark stuff over his head and a leather mask over his face leather face exclaimed the prince as he jumped to his feet what is it a night attack replied a muffled voice behind the mask six hundred arquebusiers they are but half a league away i would have been here sooner only the night is so infernally dark i caught my foot in a rabbit hole and nearly broke my ankle i am as lame as a jew's horse but still in time he added as he hastily helped the prince to adjust his armor and straighten out his clothes the camp was alive now with call to arms and rattle of steel horses snorting and words of command flying to and fro don ramon de linea a quarter of a league away heard these signs of troops well on the alert and he knew that the surprise attack had failed six hundred arquebusiers though they be picked men were not sufficient for a formal attack on the prince of orange's entire cavalry even mercenary and undisciplined troops will fight valiantly when their lives depend upon their valor delinea thought it best to give the order to return to camp and the waves of living men which had been set in motion an hour ago now swiftly and silently went back the way they came don ramon when he came once more in the camp at st florian and in the presence of alva's 
captain-in-chief, had to report the failure of the night attack which had been so admirably planned. The whole camp at Hermigny was astir, he said, as he chawed the ends of his heavy moustache, for he was sorely disappointed. I could not risk an attack under those conditions. Our only chance of winning was by surprise. Who gave the alarm? queried Don Frederick de Toledo, who took no pains to smother the curses that rose to his lips. The devil, I suppose, growled Don Ramon de Linea savagely. And out at Hermigny, in Orange's tent, the man who was called Leatherface was preparing to go as quietly and mysteriously as he had come. They won't be on you, Monsignor, he said, now that they know your troops are astir. But if I were you, he added grimly, I would have every one of those sentinels shot at dawn. They were all of them fast asleep when I arrived. He gave the military salute, and would have turned to go without another word, but that the prince caught him peremptorily by the arm. In the meantime, monsieur, how shall I thank you again? he asked. By guarding your precious life, monseigneur, replied the man simply. The cause of freedom in the low countries would never survive your loss. Well, retorted the Prince of Orange, with a winning smile, if that be so, then the cause of our freedom owes as much to you as it does to me. Is it the tenth time or the twelfth that you have saved my life? Since you will not let me fight with you, I'll let you do anything you wish, monsieur, for you would be as fine a soldier as you are a loyal friend. But are you not content with the splendid services which you are rendering to us now? Putting aside mine own life, which mayhap is not worthless, how many times has your warning saved mine and my brother's troops from surprise attacks? How many times have nor Carms or Don Frederick's urgent appeals for reinforcements failed through your intervention to reach the Duke of Alva until our own troops were able to rally. Ah, monsieur, believe me, God himself has chosen you for this work. The work of a spy, monseigneur, said the other, not without a touch of bitterness. Nay, if you call yourself a spy, monsieur, then shall the name of spy be henceforth a name of glory to its wearer, synonymous with the loftiest patriotism and noblest self-sacrifice. He held out his hand to the man with the mask, who bent his tall figure over it in dutiful respect. You see how well I keep to my share of the compact, monsieur. Never once, even whilst we were alone, hath your name escaped my lips. For which act of graciousness, monseigneur, I do offer you my humble thanks. May God guard your highness through every peril. The cause of justice and of liberty rests in your hands. After another deeply respectful bow, he finally turned to go. He had reached the entrance of the tent when once more the prince spoke to him. When shall I see you again, Leatherface? he asked cheerily. When your highness's precious life 
or the safety of your army are in danger replied the man god reward you murmured orange fervently as the man with the mask disappeared into the night End of prologue